This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Alrighty, welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, we kind of had a little brief hiatus for a couple weeks, just with people's schedules, some interviews that we've done. Um, but before we get into it, let's do roll call. I'm Brian. Amanda. Caleb. Kayleen. All right, and I'm going to hand it over to Amanda, and she's going to introduce what we're talking about. What are you talking about, Willis? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Boys will be boys. She's not allowed to date until she's 30. Boys or men can't help themselves. What was she wearing? What is purity culture, and why are there double standards for men and women regarding sex within the four walls of church and within our society? That is a loaded question, and we will try to unpack as much of it as we can. Uh, this probably is definitely going to be a two-parter because um, purity culture is a very loaded conversation. Um, and I'm glad that we actually have two women um, here that can give their perspective because it would be pretty stupid for us to talk about purity culture and it just being guys. So thank you for Amanda and Kayleen for giving a women's intuition and you're welcome in what advance. you have to say. So, do you want to keep going with that, or do you want us to kind of just open open for questions? Uh, or one thoughts? thing that, before we go with questions and thoughts, that I can bring out because I saw it on I saw it on Facebook, and so it's and Ava's joining us. So here we go, another woman. Um, is the story recently about the rapper Ti? I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, I totally. So I was just reading some more stuff about I, it today. I've been reading some more stuff about it too, and a new perspective that I didn't really think about before. Uh, that mommy, okay, come oh, here, mommy. Walk. Hold on. This is real. Mommy's going to tell tell a story. You need to hear this because this isn't well. Maybe not all of it, but. This is important eventually for you. So if anyone hasn't heard, or you know, just to bring it up for the conversation, the rapper T.I. was, I don't remember what podcast it was, but they took it, but they took it up, the interview with him pretty quickly, yeah. but he was essentially bragging that, you know, every year he, when his daughter um, has to have her annual exam with the gynecologist. He takes her, which at first you might think, like, yeah, no big deal. Like, obviously, like, not in the room, but plenty of parents, mothers and fathers, you know, caregivers, guardians, you know, take, you know, take their teens, teen girls, like the gynecologist. But he said that the, he required the doctors to give, to give him the results where, they would check to see if her hymen was still intact, as he said, to see if she was still a virgin. Mm. And she had just turned 18, and he posted it saying proudly that, oh, his daughter's still a virgin. And the doctors even told him, you know, you can't tell yeah. if someone is a virgin by doing an exam, you know, like that. And, and apparently it's a very invasive exam to check 
if the hymen is broken or not, yeah. according to what I've been reading. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care about that. Right. So I don't really. And other things, too, like they mentioned, like bicycling, horseback riding, if you're athletic, mm-hmm. all this other well, and stuff. He, and he, he and, said, oh, she's none of those things. Yeah, she doesn't so, do any of that stuff. She doesn't ride horses. She doesn't play sports. But again, every woman is different. And so, but so just to publicly put that out there. But then I also read in one of the same articles I was reading that he has a son who I believe is 15 that he would, I don't know if he would necessarily brag, but almost say how he's proud that he's telling his son, you know, to have sex at 15, that it's okay for his son. But then That's he puts his daughter through all the stuff. And, yeah, and then so, he publicly humiliates Yeah, her. it's like there's a difference between being concerned, you know, for your daughter and, you know, her well-being and her sexual, like, you know, her like sexual health. health or anything like that. And, I mean, she did just turn 18, so it's not like she's, like, 30 years old or something. And, you know, but but still, it's, it's still, like, creepy. And like you said, Kayleen, putting it out there where now everyone... The whole world knows all this stuff without your consent. And yeah, one thing that's that... that's THI that should not be out Yeah. There. Mm. And one thing I told Brian that this reminded me of, in a way, um, and there's another story that I'm sure Brian will tell, which, once he gets to that point um, about his upbringing, you know, in the church and the youth group, that has the same feeling. But if anyone has seen Game of Thrones and... Spoiler alert, if there's anyone who has just started watching it and you're not in into one of the later seasons yet and you don't want a somewhat of a spoiler alert, just skip ahead, you know, a couple minutes because I'm going to talk about a scene in there. Uh, so there's a scene where the queen, Cersei Lannister, I don't remember all the crimes, but there's a like a religious group, I think they're called the Sparrows, where they bring her to trial and so pretty much to, you know, shame her and strip her of one of her greater assets, which is her beauty, they they cut her hair, they they strip her down naked, and from their temple all the way back to the castle, they make her walk naked down the street with crowds of people throwing food at her and spitting at her. And then there is... Uh, Caleb, do you know? I'm trying to think of what the woman is. She's not a nun, is she, or a sister, or she's no. I'm trying. I don't. Uh, that's not right. But yeah, is she like some sort of uh, related to royalty somehow? I think maybe or? some something like that. Yeah. But a character that you would see serving the royalty, you know, essentially. But she has like this big bell ringing it, going shame, shame, shame. This whole walk, and. I feel like something like this, and we'll get into this more, but double standards regarding purity culture for for girls, especially especially like when you're you know a teenager, it's it's like this walk of shame thing. Like you know, if you're not you know quote unquote pure and you know have sex before you get married or you know whatever the situation that you're very vulnerable you're very bare and shamed you know in that sense where it's almost like that same feeling that's the image that comes to my mind is especially you know for this for you know this daughter you know of the rapper that all of this is out there 
that was nobody else's business no. and it's nobody it's, else's it's a very vulnerable thing especially because she's an adult yeah now. That's and it the, was without her consent it was out, without her consent and now that she's over 18 he has no right to say that information without right. her consent because yeah. now she is yeah. an adult and that is a Totally well, I think before story. she was an adult, like with like HIPAA know, regulations, he, would, he, would, he wasn't even, he didn't even have the right, but I mean, this is just speculating, now, but probably yeah. like, you know, made a sizable donation or paid off, you know, because sad to say, but we know in the society that, you know, rich people can yeah. get away with what they want. True story. Yeah, that's, I've been reading about this and I'm like. Are you kidding me? And then his his wife's response. I just read that too. The re- and she's like, because I think she's the stepmom. She's like, of she's the stepmom, daughter. and she's like rolling her eyes about yeah, it. Yeah, she did like, like an eye roll emoji because someone commented about how um, how the daughter, you know, is doing, you know, with all this and you know all of her personal life and and all yeah. this stuff well, just she, out in and, the public and the mm-hmm. stepmom just did like the eye, a bunch of eye roll emojis well, like to, to disregard wonder, her emotions yeah just just to kind of like like oh whatever like, oh please of, yeah well, what what i wonder what her her biological mom thinks and right. i don't know if she's in the picture or not or whatever but yeah. i mean his daughter has like unfollowed him on, on yeah. all of social media and she has spoken out against him mm-hmm. in the whole situation because of how awful it's been. I mean, I can't even imagine what this... But I mean, the fact that we're talking about this right now. Right. We're talking about something that's very, very personal to her. Right. Because he was stupid enough to announce it like he was being yeah. the best father ever. I'm like, no, dude, you're not being a good father. You're, you're being a jackass. <laughs> yeah. You're being a jackass. That's actually... And you're promoting something that is archaic and that should mm-hmm. no longer exist. And it's almost promoting that you are telling girls that their virginity is the only thing that's worthy about them. Yeah. Pretty much like saying he's proud of his daughter because she made it to 18. If he wanted to say, I'm proud of my daughter because she made it without, you know, becoming a you know, an unwed teen mother or she graduated high school or with honors or she did this or that, there are different ways to put it, but when you are describing what a very personal, intimate part of your bo- daughter's body looks like and what you assume that means mm. to the whole world, like yeah. that, that just crosses the line. And that's why I read, some, going back to some of those quotes at the beginning, is there are those double standards where, where you hear, you know, even on like the playground, if they're like hitting each other, boys will be boys. Um, or yeah. men or boys, you know, can't can't help themselves. So you shouldn't dress like this or mm. do this because they're mm. very visual. They can't help themselves. It's like, well, you're demeaning males pretty much down to like an animalistic level, saying that they have no control over themselves, and honestly, that you you don't see them having, you know, the same like control or emotions or you know ways to deal with things. Well, and if you want to get into the purity culture thing. Mm-hmm. It's always the woman's responsibility to dress in a certain way yes. so that she doesn't cause the man to sin. Like back yeah. in the day when like Juicy Couture was super popular yes. and everybody had Juicy written across their butts or whatever. You know, like I remember when I was in college, they were writing articles about like how the girls shouldn't be wearing this clothing because it's causing 
the men to stumble. Mm. And I'm like, well, then don't look at their ass. That's right. just how it is. Yeah. If it's causing you to stumble, don't look. Uh-huh. And I know that that's, I know that that's a big, that's like a general overgeneralized station or statement. I get that, but don't put the blame all on the girls. Yeah, of course not. No, yeah, and it's almost it's almost creating an excuse for men. You know, it's like it's almost conditioning men to say, "Well, like she know, was, she had yeah. she had juicy written on her ass. She right. was asking yeah, for yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that <laughs> phrase too, asking for it is a very like cringy well, phrase. Yeah, uh I I have a in a okay, it was when, a profanity. Oh, no, I, no, go ahead, please. When I was doing my residency um for chaplaincy there is there was a day that we could wear jeans to work if we paid a dollar towards like a specific it's a it's a charity that because there was a woman who was wearing really tight jeans and she was raped and the judge was like the judge did not convict the guy because she helped him take her jeans off oh my god because she helped him take the jeans off. And so because she helped him, he wasn't convicted of rape. And so now there's a fund in her name that helps women who are rape victims at at the hospital that has the rape and sexual assaults departments. Mm. Where the nurses come and they're able to do all of the... You know the counseling and and collect all the samples and do the rape kits and all that stuff, and it's like, are you kidding me? Because she was wearing tight jeans, she had it coming and she was mm-hmm. asking for it. That's total bullshit. Yeah, the guy Beyond raped her and he should have been convicted. The same thing for the kid that that <laughs> that did this that raped that girl behind a dumpster. The, the football player? The, or the, the or swimmer? The oh, the whatever. swimmer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, he got sentenced to, like, three months in jail. Mm-hmm. Because he was rich and white. And, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, his life is ruined now, but so is hers. He should have gone to jail. Of course he should have. And he should have been jailed for the rest of his life. Yeah. For so, I mean... It's disgusting. It's what... It's those kinds of responses to sexual predators yeah. that are... Emboldened mm-hmm. by it's reinforcing pure, reinforcing this. and it's reinforcing purity culture and that's mm-hmm. totally. If I can jump in since I had to leave for a little bit, um, Amanda alluded to that shame thing, kind of like Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones of you know walking through the town and naked and saying shame. Um, Amanda and I grew up in the same tradition as we've said countless times on the podcast, but I remember that um, I fr- it was usually in February, so it was always around Valentine's Day because apparently Valentine's Day is the only time... And kids get frisky. Kids get frisky and horny. They do. Um, but they do. So they had this three three Wednesday night sex talk and they actually, the youth pastor and all the leaders and stuff, um, usually we had like our, our a different room or someplace that we would have our Wednesday night meetings. But they actually had, um, they opened it up to the sanctu- in the sanctuary. They said, bring your parents, you know, bring your friends from school. Like, this is really going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Well, 
evangelicals are really known for wanting to talk about sex, sexuality, you know, without anything, talking about it, but without really talking about it. And I remember my parents have always been conservative, more conservative than others. But the one thing I know that how they raised my brother and I is, you know, they use the word sex. They use the word, you know, like penis, vagina, blowjob, any of those things that deal with, you know, uh, sexual stuff like being intimate and I remember the first the first two Wednesdays um, they didn't say the word sex they didn't say um, you know if you're having sex they didn't use masturbation they didn't do any of that and mind you I would say three-fourths of the youth that were there were all in high school so they were hearing it from their friends and music and tv or whatever and but what really and i still remember it to this day i mean i graduated high school almost 20 years ago dating dating myself um is they had this girl from the youth group and it was the youth pastor's wife and so made her stand up in front of the whole entire sanctuary and so there was probably at least with parents and kids, probably 100, 120 people, made her go up front and I don't know if Did you they know, tell her what she was doing ahead of time? No, they didn't tell so her at all. So it was like an ambush. Yeah, so it was like an ambush. And they, you know those how they, you can buy those massive daisies, those huge petaled ones? And they didn't tell her, this girl up front, or any of us guys. But, so the youth pastor's wife made this girl go up on stage, hold this massive uh, dandelion... And they said, didn't, it was super quiet, they didn't say anything, but they had all of us guys go up there and just take a pedal. And I mean, they actually had all the guys, and when it ran out with the guys, and then they had, like, dads come up there, which was really gross. Oh, And they had all all of us... That's that's not okay. They had Mm -hmm. all of us take a pedal off until it was just, like, the nub, so it was, like, that little middle brown part of the daisy... And or maybe it was a sunflower. Anyway, the point is at the end, the youth pastor's wife was saying, "This is what happens to you when you have sex, when you're intimate, when you masturbate. Any sex was like the worst, but they were saying like if you masturbate, if you think about a, a boy, or you do any, you watch porn, you do any of that, and if they lust, they they lust. Mm-hmm. Even even they said even if it's when you like make out with someone that's not your husband, if you do that, and then by the time you do get married, you're left with this nub. This is all that you're gonna give your future spouse. Again, kind of, again, going back to that quote I read, you had stepped out of the room, Brian. Well, not quote, but. That phrase of teaching girls that the only that their virginity is the only thing that makes them worthy of being right. And I, I mean, not only was I appalled, but I would give kudos to the to the boys in the youth group, the young men. We were all like shocked and appalled. And I even remember my dad came up to me afterward, and he was like, "That is like the worst analogy Mm -hmm. that you can possibly give." It's like Jane the Virgin, kind of with the I flower, know, with the flower and the crush. Yeah, and that the her, that she was, and, and she had a lot of hard time having sex after that. Yeah, like she felt like she lost part of her yeah. identity. Right, even when she got she, married too, mm-hmm. like she, because for anyone who hasn't watched the show, her grandma when she's out on probably like. 12, 11, something like that, takes this white rose, I think, and it's like, oh, look She's at this, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, 
and her grandma hands it to her and she says, okay, now, now crush it in your hands. And then she, she does it. And then she said, now open your hands. And she says, now make it look new again. She's like, she's telling her grandma, she's like, I can't. She's like, that's what happens when you have, if you have sex before you get married. And she had it on a frame on her wall for like her, like until she got married. So she had it on her wall for like a decade and always seen that. So, I mean, that was a show obviously that had a lot of comedy in it, but it had a lot of serious stuff. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like I have friends that had trouble having sex after they got yeah. married because of all of the negative stereotypes about Because it sex makes you feel... The, the story that Brian told, it makes a girl feel shameful and ashamed of her body. Well, and I, could, I mean, I could be and here all... And I bet they didn't do that with a guy standing no, up there. No, and I could, I could be here all night with stories on, like, the sex week or sex talk that I always did. And I was telling Caleb at dinner tonight off mic that... I remember at our Bible camp that we had every summer, they had every, like, a week or two before camp, before you left for camp, they gave you, like, a list of do's and don'ts of what you can bring. And they, in under the women's, what you can bring is they were like, you have to have a one-piece swimsuit. Like, you just yeah. have to have it. And, of course, there was a lot of girls, and, I mean, this is from our denomination all over the state so it's not just local it's from our our denomination the ag all all throughout the state of minnesota and so several young women were um in two pieces like they were just like screw it you're not you know you're not going to shame my body if guys can keep their eyes to themselves you know or whatever which is kudos to them for for standing up for them for being autonomous for you know all all that and I remember these two girls from this other church that I was friends with. They had these two pieces on. And I remember a whole bunch of, and it wasn't even the women. It was the like men youth pastors or youth sponsors would go up to these women, these young girls, and were shaming them and be like, how dare you wear a two-piece? You know, you're causing, you know, other men to lust and whatever. As and, if the onus is on them. They're right, causing right, men to lust. Right, right, And especially for me as a teenager, I mean, I knew like what these women were wearing weren't wrong i'm not gonna say i was sexually like aroused by them but i was like yeah they're good looking because i was you going through puberty them. but yeah. i wasn't staring at them because that's not appropriate but kind of what amanda had said and i'm sure you guys too when i was out of the room but it, it's why is it in purity culture especially in the evangelical world that the onus is on the women where the women are the ones that have to cover up. Mm-hmm. They can't dress anyway, whether they have a word on their on mm-hmm. their butt, like on their pants mm-hmm. or sweatpants. And then men can walk around pretty much almost naked. Mm-hmm. And that's completely normal. That's mm-hmm. completely okay. And it's, a, it's such a male-centric understanding, kind of building off what well, you were saying, Well, just like Ryan. the dress codes with schools, which we don't have to go into all that detail. I'm sure a lot of people know that... You know, that it's probably a list of, like, five things, maybe, for, like, guys. Uh-huh. But, yeah, but yeah. they're the not women, really, like, real detailed. But, hair, but, but yeah. It. Yeah, like, it's, if there's, if there's like, skirt. anything inappropriate prof- uh, profanity on their t-shirt or something. But for a girl, if her if her bra strap, like, slips out, then it's like she has to go to the principal's mm. office. And- Did you all have the flamingo rule? See, I grew up in a private school. But it was a thing where girl. A young woman wearing skirts. I'll show you. For the listener, you can Google this. But they had to be able to... 
uh, hold their leg up at a 90 degree angle oh. behind them and the skirt had to touch their leg when they did that. <gasps> Otherwise, it was too short. And it, it was like all these like weird hoops to jump through. Hmm. And like, and with the, not to interrupt, but it just made me think like yeah. with, with the whole thing with um, like causing men to stumble, it's, it's in, a, in an understanding of the world where there is a consequence of eternal damnation for sinning or stumbling right. or whatever you call it. It's really, it's, it's almost saying, women, you are damning these glorious men to damned hell. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. And, it, and it's right. saying like you are, you are in charge of their eternal souls right. being tormented in hell forever and ever because you made them lust after you by wearing right. a, a, something that you thought was cute. Well, and like the thing with like schools and stuff too, it's like, I could get if it's something very inappropriate, but if it's something like, you know, depending on the school and their policies and dress code, like, oh, you can see their collarbone, their bra strap, like, slipped out, you know, you can see the outline, you know, of, like, part of, like, the cup of their bra or something, which it's like, yeah, you can't always help that. It's like, you know, trying Mm. to find, you know, a bra that actually fits that's not super expensive. It's like, you got to make some compromises somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, and and just... The absurdity if, like, a woman's bra strap pops out of her shirt or whatever. I mean, do you know how many times... I mean, I've worked... I'm working at my third college now. And do you know how many times when a guy lifts his arm up, like, if he's stretching or if he's hugging someone, that you see, like, the top of their boxer line? Mm-hmm. Or it could say Hanes or Jockey, Fruit of the Loom, whatever. That's... In essence, that's the same equivalent of seeing a woman's bra strap. Right. And it's totally, it's totally, yeah, you're seeing their underwear, but in our culture, especially in the evangelical world, that's completely normal. Like, oh, you saw a guy's boxer line, whatever. But if you see that woman's bra and it says Victoria's Secret or whatever, Mm -hmm. then automatically it's this sexualized thing that's Mm going to cause someone Mm -hmm. to to stumble or using all that. that. And And it's so, so stupid. It's ludicrous. It is. I think the culture around that also puts seeing these forbidden things on a pedestal and you know fetishizes these forbidden things mm-hmm. because because they're they're so taboo to see now it's so much more desirable right. to see whenever it well and I pops think out your shirt. I think a lot of these things with these double standards and you know as we're saying with purity culture I think a lot of these things are ingrained in people's minds even from birth it's like you know when like, one of the things I read at the beginning, like, I've seen this plenty of times on onesies for babies, like, for newborns, for infants. A sparkly pink onesie with sparkle letters that says, Daddy says I'm not allowed to date till I'm 30. Or the whole oh, comment no. of, like, oh, you better, are you going to, like, have your shotgun out, like, when she brings, mm. you know, boys home? And no one says that, you know, about guys. That's a good point. And so, I mean, yes, granted, she's only two and a half, but, you know, we're raising raising our daughter and wanting to raise, you know, our daughter to not feel ashamed of her body. Like, actual parts of her body, I will use the actual terms. And, like, she sees pictures or notices the stretch marks on my stomach, and I tell her that she was in my tummy. But lately, instead of saying my tummy, I was saying, like, oh, you were in mommy's uterus. Oh wow! That that that's where you, that's where you that's great of me. that that's where you grew, and then and then you came out of mommy's vagina, and you were born. Because I'm wanting her to learn these things. I'm wanting her to not be ashamed of these words, to be ashamed of her body, um, and 
And basically just to, and I've told Brian this before too, and I think it's came up, I don't know if it's been, you know, while recording within this group, when we've talked about like, you know, like school dress code and stuff like this, that if that ever happens to Ava, unless it's something where it's, you know, she brings like an extra outfit to school and it's really inappropriate type thing. But if it's something like a bra strap slips out and and her education is disrupted and sent to the office... And if I'm told that she distracted her male students and her male teacher, then you know that Mama Bear is going to come out and first of all, just saying that, well, first of all, you have bigger issues if a grown man is distracted by a bra strap of a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid, but she is not responsible if it's something that like, oh, it slips out like an accident like that, like she is not responsible for their behavior, for their eye, where their eyes go, and we need to do better. Not just picking out that particular kid, but we need to do better as a society to not, you know, place all these stereotypes on little girls. And then, as Caleb and I were talking about, I think it was before the recording, um, just with with little boys, even when they're toddlers, of being like, you know, don't cry, like real men don't cry, and don't show, like, these feelings and emotions, and almost making it seem like that makes you a superior person, and in a way, it's like step-by-step, like, placing you over, like, over dominion in an oppressive way, over, over women, by the time, like, they get to puberty, and then they become adults, because... It's just this vicious cycle. And if any of that ever happens or if a, if a boy ever like snap continue, like snaps my daughter's bra strap in school, if she, if she warns him to stop and says, you know, if you do it one more time, I'm going to hit you. And if he does it and if she hits him and knocks him out, she's not going to get in trouble for me. Hell no. And me and Brian are going to kick their fucking ass anyways. That's right. I'll ask well, the school, what are you going to do about the sexual harassment here and see what they say? Well, yeah. I mean, it's changed from when I'm going to go back, and I don't think my mom listens to our podcast, and she's told me this, but she grew up, she was in elementary school in the early to mid-60s, and she was. She said she was in sixth grade, and that's a, I'm not a woman, but I guess that's a, for puberty, a lot of... It's an important time. A lot of girls will go through puberty, and so my mom was. So, of course, my mom was wearing a bra, and we all know if we went to a regular school, like, the desks that you sit in where they're, like, the chair and then, like, the little arm yeah. thing comes around. little single-unit chair yeah. desk yeah. thing. And so, apparently, I don't probably this kid was trying to flirt with her, but was doing a hell of a job. And, or just being a douchebag. Or being a, yeah, or being a douchebag, any of those. Um, and he kept snapping my mom's bra strap. Like like the back of it, like in the by your back, not the straps itself, but like but the like whole, the band, yeah, the band. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just like, "This is inappropriate. What are you doing? That like stop touching me." And she went up to her teacher, who happened to be a male, and said this thing, "Oh, that that's just him being a a boy." Blah, boys blah, will blah. be boys. boys maybe be he boys. likes yeah. you. And I kid you not, I'm uh, pretty maybe, sure. Maybe you're lucky, and he likes you. I'm pretty sure maybe she she's said. Charming. Maybe I'm you're lucky sure, that I don't. Knock I'm pretty him out. sure she said. That this the same boy 
Luckily, she stopped before it happened. I think she was wearing shorts or a skirt or something. And he took a ruler and was going to try to put it up her skirt. Oh, my God. And my mom, with the for how she was raised and all that stuff, at least was raised with enough common sense and decency and courtesy to just literally turn around. And when around, that fight or flight kicked yeah, in. Yeah, and was like, okay, this purse, obviously in her body, she was like, this is not okay. And she got up and like started yelling at the dude. And of course that kid got in trouble, but... But I don't know if the kid got, like, suspended or whatever. But nowadays, I feel like in our it's still bad. But at least within our school systems now, I mean, I can say here in the Twin Cities, if something like that happened, I mean, that would straight up be on the news. Mm-hmm. That kid would be suspended or not expelled. Probably. But just not even, like, 60 or not even 50 years ago, you had that kind of bullshit happening to to young girls because that guy's and, probably been a parent and a grandparent and passing that behavior on. Yeah, and th- I mean that's repulsive. But and I'll say this: not not anything to do with that. But I would say for myself, I came from a family who we talked about sex, sexuality. You know, going through puberty, I had I had two parents who taught me the birds and the bees, taught me about. You know, you're going through puberty. This is what's happening to you. You're not, not to sound gross. I mean, I remember the first time I had like a wet dream and I had semen come out of me. And I was petrified because I had no idea what just happened. Like, it was like, just. Am I dying? You no, know, I know. I was just like, what's happening? And I, I remember in tears at like 11 or 12 going to my dad and like, what happened? And of course, my dad just started busting out laughing. But then after he got done laughing, he told me, well, no, like, you're through puberty. Like, what's happening? He is didn't, this like, your... No, he didn't he shame me either, but he said, yeah. now you're a man. He's like, this is what happens in a man's body. Like, your testicles are now making semen. And what really scared the hell out of me is he said, you could be a dad. And that led me on a road. And then, so hearing, knowing that, that my body's changed and I went through puberty... A lot quicker, not quicker, but before a lot of my class, yeah, sooner than my classmates and whatever. It it was like I I went to bed one weekend and I was like, hi, I'm Brian. And then the next day I woke up and my voice changed and I had like a wet dream. Are you doing? No, it was like, and it was like even my family (laughs) joke. I woke up and you turned into Joey from from Friends. How how you doing? How you doing? No, but the the crux of what I'm going to say though is... I grew up in the church being told that understanding, like, yes, your body's going to go through puberty. You're going to go through, you're going to have hormones, you're going to have desires, you know, all that stuff. But I was always told that, like, well, you better not touch yourself. You better not masturbate. That that semen has to stay inside of you Don't think until, about it or act on until it. you're married. Mm. Which little do people know... We actually had a friend of a family who's a doctor. She's not really in our lives anymore. But she had actually said that biologically, if you don't masturbate, men or women, if you don't masturbate, then your body will expunge your 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 secretions, your your bodily fluids out of the body for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, if it's a sin, quote unquote, to masturbate before you're married or whatever. That's a bunch of bullshit because your body is your body makes these liquids in your body to have them come out. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that would be like, oh, I have to take a shit or a piss, but I can't put, I can't, I can't go to the bathroom because for whatever reason I made up that it's bad. And to me, I mean, try to be 13, 14, 15, seeing a pretty girl in school or first time I saw a playboy, you know, and then having, having like this war raging on inside me that's like, I want to touch myself. I want to masturbate. I want to do this. But then he's feeling that I'm going to go to hell if I do that. Mm-hmm. I have a good story that relates very well to this. So a friend of mine, his little brother, um, for like a month or so, was having really bad pain in his testicles. And it, it wouldn't go away. And it kept, it kept going on and on and on. So my friend uh, ended up taking his brother to the doctor upon their mom's request to see what was wrong with his testicles because it, it was just being, it was like persisting and really, really mm-hmm. bad. And, uh, you know, so my friend's little brother was just starting to go through puberty and um, had never masturbated, had never, you know, relieved himself. And the doctor asked about that and he was like, you yeah, know, I've never done that, whatever. And the doctor, you know, ran some simple tests and stuff and he was just like, he was like, yeah, son, um, you, you need to relieve yourself. Just like a build-up. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. literally a build-up. And uh, so the, the little brother I don't was... I have testicles, but that just sounds painful. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. It is. <laughs> yeah, and so he was... And so... Um, just thought I'd clarify. Yeah, that. I do right. not have testicles. Right. Thank you. Just, just, <laughs> or never have. Well, and then so my, my friend brought his little brother home, and, and he was like, uh, he's like, well, sounds like you know what you have to do now, and just to kind of try to ease the tension. And so my friend told me that when, when their mom got home, she said, well, it's... What was wrong with your brother? What, what was happening? And my friend said, "Well, the doctor prescribed him to masturbate two times a week, which was obviously a bit of a joke, but in essence, you know, it's right. like because they had grown up in in a family with such a, a, a an observation of purity culture, mm-hmm. it was so, they were so indoctrinated with it to be such a negative thing that it was just kind of an absurd thought that, and it may be inappropriate to even bring this story up because we're talking." You know about about women and about how how men like get these urges or whatever that they can't control. But but seeing it from both sides, I think you can also say that, that sex is natural and beautiful, yeah. and that any uh, misappropriation of that or men, any misconduct is absolutely abhorrent and and unacceptable. You know, and at the same time, every every person is responsible for their own thoughts and actions and, and choices that they make. Well, and I and I think purity culture can. Yes, it's more negatively, I think, affecting women. But I do feel for men growing up in the church, trying to be good little young men for God, whatever, like what I was trying to do. And yeah, I mean, I, I've told Amanda numerous times, like growing up, like I was at church Sunday morning. A lot of times I would stay there on Sunday afternoon. We would play like in like, the game room that we had at our church. We would go to, like, the local coffee house, play football. Some of us even brought, like, our gaming systems, hooked it up to the TV. We just stayed at church all day Sunday because it was fun. And then we had Sunday night service. That was me. We had, like, intercessory prayer on Friday nights. What, like, 14 or 15-year-old kid wants to go to church on Friday night and pray? I did. I, I was that person. But then knowing that my body is normal, knowing that every man on this planet who's ever lived or will live feels the same way as me with these urges but being told that if i act upon that that i'm sinful i'm terrible i'm evil and i kid you not up until i got to 
I mean, yeah, I masturbated when I was in high school, but then, I mean, I, I went to an Assemblies of God college, and I remember having a, 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 a minister, a male minister, and this was finally like guys and girls can both be in chapel at the same time because we're talking about sex, but I actually had this, I remember it vividly, this pastor saying, men, it's a sin if you masturbate even if you're married and you masturbate because that's your wife's job, which is shaming in it of itself. <gasps> that's shaming oh, it of itself. That's disgusting. He said, that's like, he's like, oh, you, he's like, you shouldn't ever have to masturbate. Oh, that brings it to a whole new level, yeah, doesn't it? You should never have to <laughs> masturbate because that's your wife's job, or you should never have to masturbate because your wife's job is to literally lay on her back and have sex, which is terrible in and of itself to even have that mentality. Mm-hmm. But he was like, what? You can't have sex or he's like, you can't masturbate. What are you thinking about the Minnesota Vikings? Because his whole reply was that his Excuse whole reply. Excuse me? His that re- make what, sense. I know. But what he was trying to say it's is. It's like an absurd thing. The, like, the if very, you're not thinking of, of women. Yeah, to, if you're not thinking like of women, ball, if you're, you're not watching porn, if you're not doing something, quote unquote, sinful, then what's the point of masturbating? Yeah. Where a lot of people will say, hey, masturbating is a stress reliever. Like, if you've had a really bad day at work, a bad work week, you're just angry. I've actually had doctors say, masturbate. Yeah, it's a great stress reliever. It's a stress reliever. And, I mean, I kid you not, it probably took me till halfway through my college, like, life as, like, a 21-year-old where it was like I finally realized, you know what? It's not wrong. It's not a sin to masturbate. It's completely normal. It's a natural thing. The way God made me, and I am not going to believe any of the bullshit that I've been taught. And mind you, my parents did not teach me any of that stuff. It they they taught me a lot of good things about sexuality, but I I would say I listened to my pastors and youth leaders more than my parents because I'm like, hey, these are quote unquote men of God who are teaching me about this stuff, and. That's why I'm so passionate talking about like purity culture or sexuality because I feel so many uh, friends, family have really got a very distorted view of sexuality, of sex, of who they are as a person, maybe even their own gender identity identity or Mm -hmm. sexuality issues because they have all these traumas in their life, which is like everyone who deals with any kind of trauma, it's very real and it happened to them. And a lot of times, people are whether it's their, whether it's prescription drugs, whether it's therapy, whether alcohol, whatever, to try to get over that. And I I was lucky enough to be able to go through that on my own and realize like, hey, a lot of what I was taught was really fucked up and was wrong. And I just I, I and that's one of the reasons too what led me out of the evangelical world where it's like. You're telling young men and women to be ashamed of their bodies and that they're really not a true Christian yeah. or human being mm-hmm. until they don't masturbate or don't have sex before they're married or any of that. And it's just absurd yeah. on every level. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays into – I don't want to go off on a tangent on this mm-hmm. where it's like we, we, have, we have to acknowledge how dirty – and disgusting and shameful we are, and it's something that we can never escape. And but we, the day you get married, it's a beautiful thing. Be fruitful and multiply. Right, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's this magical thing that you're all of a sudden supposed to feel comfortable and confident with your own body. 
and with your own sexuality and just sexuality in yeah. general. Right, but he, but like yeah. Brian was saying though too, even even then, it's like there's there's still all these parameters on sexuality right. even once you're married. Like I had a friend who had a who sat down and had a serious deep talk with our youth minister when he and I were probably in uh, I don't know tenth grade or so. Had a serious talk with our youth minister about is it okay once I'm married for my wife to give me a blow job because that's not for procreation's sake. Anyway, well, I I, I mean funny. if it's. Two consenting adults, it's really no one's business yeah. of anybody to tell you that. And yeah. I mean, you you say that. You know, I, I would guarantee, I'm not going to guarantee, but I would, from where we all grew up, because we're all around the same age, we're all in that, well, we're all in our 30s in this room. But I feel like from when we were in high school, when we were in youth groups, all that kind of stuff, I feel from then to now, like, my nieces or my nephews or people who would be in youth group now, I feel like I think that I'm not saying that there's not purity culture there, but I feel like purity culture was really big in like the mid nineties to like the middle aughts, like the middle, like two thousands because of stuff like I kiss dating goodbye and those kinds of, it's a good segue because we're going to talk about that. Oh, Hot topic right now. Ooh, hot topic. Well, because he's not... Hot topics. Hot topics. He, um, <laughs> he totally denounced... Uh, oh, excuse me. Pardon me. Go Keep ahead going. and say no, what no, you want to say. No, no, go for it. Go for it. He totally denounced everything that he wrote. Yeah, watch well, which you're... You, you go ahead and give the, the background, though. Go well, uh, yeah, I was, we're writing that down because... Oh, it was Amanda supposed to be a part of that? Well, no, I, I wrote that down because it's something I wanted to talk about where... Amanda's watching Ava right now. No, yeah, she said I could talk about this, but okay. like I re- like in my youth group growing up, that that book caught on like wildfire. Yeah. I never read mm-hmm. it though. That's and because well, just be, I didn't grow up in that right. culture. So. And just count your blessings that that you did. <laughs> I heard about it when I when I when I did be, grow, have evangelical like when I was in college. I heard all about it, and then there was like the whole yeah. What was it the oh, the. I forgot what it was called. I I will look it up. I will tell you later. Well, and I don't remember but, what it was called. So he so. he wrote a couple books, but he actually wrote his big kind of like magnum opus, like what he wrote was called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," and the what he wrote about and what he advocated for was courting, which is not which is not a, like a new concept. People have been doing that for centuries. Where he, what he thought that. What he wrote about, too, was... And mind you, when he wrote the book, he said he was 21. It wasn't like he was in his 30s and, you know, all this stuff. But he was young. And he really thought this girl that ended up becoming his wife... um, He ended up courting her, which pretty much was like... I'm not... Like, they pretty much went out on dates. But the parents had to be there. So it would be like, oh, I'm coming over to your house to watch a movie. But your parents are going to be there. Or we're going to go out to eat. Oh, but your parents are going to be there. You know, all this kind of stuff. And so he wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And then I think his wife wrote a book called like... Um, it has a video that's called I Survived I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yeah. And that's on Amazon Prime. So a lot of... Uh, so that caught on like wildfire. Like his wife, his wife, I think, wrote a book too. Kind of talking about her background and all that stuff. And but then, kind of like 
I don't know, middle aughts, like 05, 06, like you just never heard about him. Like his book was still out there. It was still being, I don't know if published, but being sold to places. I mean, Amanda and I love to go thrift store shopping. You go to Goodwills or Savers, you still see his book like on the shelves. Like I'm glad a lot of people are getting rid of it, but his books are still out there. And like Kayleen, what you had alluded to and said was that, yeah, within this calendar year, I think of 2019, not only has he come out and denounced his faith where he's not even a Christian. He mostly said why he wrote. And he's like, I, at the time I believed with what I was talking about and I, I lived that, but that woman he was ended up courting and he got married to are, they're now divorced. Like they got, they amicably split. They got divorced and now he deconverted and is not a Christian and I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, fuck him. Like, he screwed so many people up. And, yeah, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad that he screwed all these people up. But at the same time, I'm happy that he, as a person, is actually owning up. Yeah, to, kudos to him for that. To, I mean, to what he's done. Yeah, he's going to have to live with all the repercussions of people he screwed over. But for him coming out to say, dude, what I did... And what I said was wrong. Um, I wrote that book. I believed what I did. I made a ton of money. And a lot of people are mad at him now because he's making, like, he made this kind of, like, quasi-documentary about it. And he's going on, like, on a speaking engagement. So people are mad at him. But I think what he's doing is I'm not against what he's doing because he's coming out and saying pretty much everything that I said and that I advocated for all those years ago is bullshit and it's wrong and it's messed up and that just shows you the power of what purity culture has over denominations and over like a segment of christianity if you allow it to happen because i don't really feel in my gut that if the church if the church wasn't open to that and if the church was like okay great awesome like this is you this is an aspect you can choose to do this if you want to and then left it like that, I don't think it would have caught on. But for all these evangelical churches to be like, yes, this is what you have to do. If you want to be a good godly man or a good godly woman, do what Joshua Harris says and I kiss dating goodbye. And now all these years in the future, you see that him coming out saying, this is all bullshit. He's like, my wife and I are divorced and I don't even believe in Jesus anymore. Is just, I, I, to, to say I didn't see it coming would be a lie. Because I did see it coming. And a lot of those people who start out really, I'm not going to say necessarily conservative, but really out there with some of those beliefs, sometime in their life, it, you know, the shit's going to hit the fan yeah. where something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it, it ended up happening where, where all that did. Yeah. I can't remember the, the books that used to be so popular about purity culture for. Like men and women and something. I oh gosh, I can't remember what they were called. There's too many. There's too many. But I remember, you know, I worked at a Christian bookstore when I was in college, and I would stare at the books all the time and wonder, like, why are people reading this? It doesn't make sense to me. But that was just me in my little head. But you know, it just it never made sense to me. But that's because I didn't grow up in that environments like I don't know I mean 
sex and dating and, and virginity were like important, but it wasn't like where the youth group would get together and talk about how, you know, a girl was losing her flower. Like that wasn't, <laughs> you know, like that didn't happen. But yeah, we actually, we had a, a retreat in my church. It was a weekend long retreat called Passports to Purity. Oh my gosh. Are you it's exactly me? what you think it is. Are you passport to purity? Are you, um, please tell me about this because it yeah. sounds like incredibly scary, and I really want to mock it. So yeah, great. So it was a, it was a, a, a weekend long thing. Um, it was it was really weird. Um, during the day, we were either at the church or um, doing like little activities, like I don't know, go kart racing or shit like that. But it, uh, every student came with. A parent or guardian, you know, an, a, 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 an adult that was trusted by the church. And um, during the day, we would be doing uh, classes together. I remember, like, we would we would do, like, workshops. We had workbooks where we would talk <laughs> with our parents. One of the prompts was asking your parents about their first sexual experiences. Oh. Some of it was inappropriate, honestly. Some of it was trying wanna, to force conversation. Yeah. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. That's so, yeah. Some of it, like, it was really, it wasn't just like an on the, on the nose, like, never have sex till you're married. It was like trying to facilitate some conversations that like were kind of awkward. Yeah. And I think, I think you had to be either uh, 13 or 14, or no, 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 12 or 13 to sign up for it. Um, and it had to be the kid and their parent or, you know, guardian. And so, yeah, during the day, you would be doing that stuff. And then at night, you would go back to the hotel. So everyone had, uh, you'd, the church, like, booked a bunch of hotel rooms for everybody. They got, like, a package deal. And you'd go to the hotel with your guardian or parent and work on new workbook stuff, work on new worksheets and activities. And the next day, the whole group would, would come together and you'd, you'd talk through it with the, the other young men and young women. And, like, I remember we had one session. I'm putting my hand over my mouth because yeah. I'm so shocked by this. It is shocking. One session we had was with the pastor of our church, who I think was a good man in the Southern Baptist Kentucky Church. Uh, but he, I remember he said, like, the most shocking thing that we'd ever heard was he was like, I'm not going to lie to you boys. Sex feels good. You know what? It feels great. And we were like, oh, did he just say that? Because that was such a, an, a foreign idea. He was like, yeah, but it's best to wait until you're married. And he was being honest about it. But that was like the most forward-thinking bit of knowledge or wisdom that we were presented with during the whole weekend. The rest of it was all just these weird, bizarro workshop things about like, uh, children, ask your parent about the biggest regret they have from their you know, sexually active life or something like that. It was very strange to have 12-year-olds... And their parents having these conversations. Yeah, it was weird. All around, just really weird. And I've said on the podcast before, I was more or less asked not to come back to the youth group, the youth group that I grew up in. And it was kind of like a mutual thing. Like, because anybody who knows me here in the sake of collective listening or just friends or family know that I have an issue with authority. Uh, a lot of the time, um, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it when somebody tells me, especially a minister, a theologian, or like, you have to believe this. Like my bullshit detectors go up and be like, you know, just because you said that, I want to do the opposite or I want to, you know, understand why. Well, and Caleb can attest since he grew up evangelical as well and had some of these, I didn't, ours wasn't called passport purity. Or anything like that. How absurd is that? Hear somebody else say it out loud. It's just oh my gosh, it's the but, most absurd. But thing I remember. Ever. No, I remember because you know you can never talk to teenagers 
in a in a group together. You can never have young men and young women together because they're just going to start having sex. Apparently, oh, so forbid. Mm, what they would do. So <laughs> what happened? What what we did is, and it was kind of normal. Like I kid you not, you go to most evangelical churches, and this is the same mo. They had the weekend. You pick any weekend in the year, usually during the school year, and it would be like a Friday night, and all of us guys went over to like the youth pastor's house. And then all the girls would would probably go to like not these pastors in his wife's house, but like would go to like a sponsor youth sponsor's house that was a female. And you know, guys, we would play football, we would play video games, we just would drink a lot of Mountain Dew or whatever, and we would just be big dudes, right? Be guys. And then we would go back to the church and kind of almost have like a lock in that night. Of course, stay up late. And as a teenager, you're like, that's great, that's fun, that's whatever. But then, and then that, and then all day Saturday was literally them talking to us about sexuality, sex. Any After of that you've stuff. been up all night, and well, yeah, but their whole point was like they wanted to like show you like, hey, look how cool we are. We can stay up and talk about guy things. We can oh, have yeah. pillow fights. We can play football. We can play video games, whatever. And of course, they always invite later, like invite your friends from school, invite your f- neighborhood friends, whatever. And so they started talking to us guys about sexuality. They made us all sit like on the ground, and they were like walking around us. So it kind of felt like you were in prison or something. And they were like wardens, going like, on a perp walk. Yeah. Well, and I remember this kid who was—I don't know if he was from the community or like a friend of someone in the youth group—but I remember this young guy. He was—I think at the time I was like sixteen, maybe fifteen or sixteen, and this kid was like twelve or thirteen. And I remember him asking the question, and he was like, hey, obviously I'm in puberty, I'm a young man, and he's like, "I, you know, I see a pretty girl, or not even that sometimes, but I just have this urge to masturbate. Like, can I do that? Is it wrong? Hmm. And the youth pastor unequivocally was like, yeah, that's wrong. It's a sin. Like, you shouldn't do that. It's wrong. You shouldn't touch your own body. Wait for your wife to do that. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I literally looked at the kid, and I was like, they're wrong. <laughs> really? And, wow. Yeah, and I said, they're wrong. And they were like, excuse me? Like, the pastor? And excuse I was like, me. Excuse and me. And I was like, I'm not trying to say, I'm not advocating that you should just go out and boink or have sex with any female or whatever, because that's not appropriate. But I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong of exploring your body and knowing who you are in your own skin, in your own body. And I said, you can masturbate without thinking of women, without thinking of porn, without doing any of that. I said, you can just masturbate because it feels good and it's a normal part of human sexual development. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I can show you books and psychologists, sex therapists, therapists, all scientists that will back me up. And I said this as a 16-year-old, and I remember... After the after this event, because I had my license at the time, so I could drive home. But I remember like my youth pastor saying, "You know, you're not welcome back here for a long time because like you, what you said was completely off base and completely inappropriate." And I repl- repl- I replied politely but sternly. I was like, "No, what you said was completely inappropriate because you're telling people who aren't even a Christian per se or or are not even part of this church, you're shaming them." And just saying that their sexual that their sexual part of who they are is shameful. 
And I said, do you think God wants other people who quote-unquote believe in him to shame other people in order to live their life the way you want to live your life? I said, that's just not appropriate. And I think it was like that, well, one of many, but that was like the main kind of tipping point where I realized, you know, this church, this denomination, this whole whole thing of evangelicalism is not for me because they're 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 saying bullshit. They're telling people a basic thing that masturbation does not hurt anybody. Right. That what they're saying is like you can't masturbate without being sexual or even if it is sexual, how dare you? And I guarantee you all these pastors probably have these sexual skeletons in their closet that they refuse to talk about. No, for sure. Totally. And so then they put that on the, their students and then their students' friends and whatever. Yeah. And you have to speculate if that's where that weird obsession with stopping people from being at all sexual or being okay with sexuality, if that's where that comes from, is is personal uh, repression, you know, self-repression of, of sexuality. Look at, oh gosh, where is it? Who is it? Early church, oh, guy who is like super sexualized Augustine uh, there he, book of God yes we get a lot of our thoughts about sex from mm. him and he was like super sexualized he was a sexual deviant he was a sexual deviant when he was when he was younger and then to like make up like later in life he completely renounced all of that but we get a lot of our idea, ideas about how we should behave as sexual beings from him, from somebody who could not accept his own sexuality in his own way, we're, we're getting all this stuff from him and we're expected to like adopt that, even though he clearly had issues with his own sexuality. And wasn't it with Augustine in his, his view on like sin or like original sin Yes, was through the semen mm-hmm. and it was through like the oh, act of he's sex. Oh, he's yeah. Yes, he It is. was Augustine. It was the act of, literally the act of sex of a man, you know, orgasming into a woman, to his wife, Augustine would say that that, that like, so the man carries that sin in his semen and kind of like you were saying, Kayleen, it was that like, it was like he went com- complete polar opposites where he went from being like, yeah, I'm going to have sex with prostitutes or whores or concubines or whatever to being so on the other side where he was like just the act of sex in itself is impure, is terrible, and is nasty. And sad to say, but, th- you know, 1,500 years later, that's still in a lot of churches to this day. And it's not even biblical. It's just this one man's view because he was so because, traumatized. Well, and because he was an, by early what he church, did. an early church father, that's what happened. And then, I don't know, it just, it, that never made sense to me. I remember in college I was reading it and I was like, this dude was messed up. And we're getting all of our theology from him? What? Like, come on, let's let's think more about this. Let's pay attention to what was happening in the context of his life so that we can make sense of this now because it's not the same thing. Well, and then you can see that the the opposite of Augustine is you look at St. Francis of Assisi and Assisi was a ma- or St. Francis was <laughs> Assisi wasn't a person, that was a town. St. Francis was in a lot of ways the same way as Augustine. Like yeah, he was. St. Francis was 
born into wealth. Was his father was a silk merchant. Had probably they were probably some of the like higher elite economically in their town. Yeah. And if you read biographies about him, and I mean, you could. I mean, he literally had sex and could have sex with literally any young woman in his town, and he probably did. He and he talked about it. He had exploits about it. He would get drunk. He would spend all his wealth on carousing and you know doing whatever Mm -hmm. but he didn't knock people who did that he just had this somehow connection with god with the divine Mm -hmm. and he felt god called him to a life of solitude but you never really hear saint francis saying that he hated that life that it was all wrong it was just like i just chose not to do it anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> but yet we still go back to augustine mm-hmm. and we go back to augustine and say oh well I, we're gonna take rather what this dude says over saint francis and if you uh, to me for me personally looking at those two people in church history i would way way more go for and follow someone like saint francis than i would with augustine i could see that yeah, should we do some recommendations now? Or do you want to... <coughs> any closing thoughts? Well, we could do um, recommendations. I think we should probably do two parts on this. Yeah, I think there's so. Some there's stuff. a lot. We, I mean, it, honestly, Amanda's opening phrases that she used before she got into what the actual topic was were so powerful. We could we could talk about... We should talk about the phrases. And we should talk about those phrases, I think, more and about how ingrained a lot of that toxic terminology is into into what has resulted in, in purity culture. But uh, should we... Do you want to maybe make this a two-parter and for now, because we're over an hour, should we go ahead and yeah, do we some can recommendations? Do, it's our podcast. Can we do what we want? Um, it's podcast. We can do what we want. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I had, to, I had to do that. Like it. it just was calling to me, even it. though I can't sing. So I'm going to go ahead and go first and do my recommendations. Um, kind of have two now. If you have a toddler... Make sure that they take their nap. That's their first recommendation. (laughs) Ava did not want to take her nap today, so you probably hear her crying in the background. Um, I don't believe I've shared this before, um, but it's a public Facebook group. Um, It has 1.3 million members, so there's a lot of good stuff on it. It's called Weird Secondhand Finds That Just Need to Be Shared. Ooh, that's right up your alley. Yeah, and so there's a lot of good stuff, like stuff that people find at thrift stores, estate estate sales, stuff that maybe they got, you know, years ago. Um, And some of it's just, like, really funny stuff, really creepy stuff, or, you know, if there's... Any good picks for us? Any good examples? uh, One of the things here is... I don't know when it started, but finding what's called a house hippo. So, like, a little, like, hippo. So, it could be, like, a big, like, big, like, the size of, like, a shoebox or something. Or, like, a little, like, uh, like the size of a thimble. Like, like a little hippo. Or, um, this one that I'm seeing now is a coffin with a cross on it. I mean, there's stuff that's just kind of, like, fun, like, cute stuff. Or there's one I'm looking at now where it's supposed to look like an old, like, Victorian picture. You know, with, like, the like the woman with, like, the the um, dress with the long sleeves and the buttons that go, like, all the way up from, like, you know, like, waist, like, all the way up to the neck and everything. Like, posed, like, kind of, 
like in front of this really ornate chair, but then when you look closer, it's a cat. I think it's Grumpy Cat. <laughs> so uh, I'll show <laughs> Caleb and Kayleen oh, here. Um, but just some stuff that's like really, really funny or just weird. Or this is a sign, a wood sign that says "Have a nice poop." Um, <laughs> That could be. I, I was actually going to post a picture. I was actually going to post a picture myself when we were at the thrift store last time. But to to keep Ava occupied, she was watching PBS Kids on my phone. But it was um, I forget which one it is. But it was in the box a New Kids on the Block Barbie <gasps> with the cassette tape. And what? the only reason I didn't get it is because I, I actually already have two of that exact same Barbie. In Ava's room, and we don't have a cassette tape player. But the last two times I went there, it was still there. It totally um, could be worth something. Yeah, but maybe. I know, I kind of wanted to look and see, like, some of those things, like, you know, which, um, you know, which ones are, you know, have, like, a good value, yeah, you know, for yeah. stuff. If you wanted to do, like, resell stuff. But, yeah. you know, it just didn't work out with... It was either have Ava fussy or have her climbing out of the cart and running around the thrift store or let her play watch shows on my phone. So I chose the easiest. But that is um, my recommendation. Um, let, let me just repeat the name of that again. So the page, it's just a public Facebook page. So if you just go on the search, weird secondhand finds that just need to be shared. So nice. find nice. it, uh, join the group, and... You'll see lots of funny stuff on there. Cool. Sweet. Do you have one, Gailey? I'll go if you want to think on it. Go for it. Uh, I have two, one of which is a little bit of self-promotion. I just started a new podcast through uh, Post-Christian Podcasting, which is my network. Uh, It's called Everyone's Autonomous. It's created by my good friend, Marie, who's going to be helping us doing some video Stuff She uh, does great video and photo work, but we just started a new uh, podcast through Post-Christian Podcasting. Again, everyone's autonomous, and also you should, uh, if you enjoy Sacred Collective, you should also check out my other podcasts on the network, Revolution Church, Air Grievances, and I think I might start doing some little promotions at the end of some of these episodes for other shows that I do. And then the other one, just real quick, kind of more, uh, more typical of the recommendations that we give is this show called Fargo. Ooh, I've heard about it. It's great. It. Is, it, is it anything like the movie, or is it? Yes, okay. it is uh, parallel to or adjacent to the movie. It's like almost a every season. I would say is a bizarro reimagining of kind of archetypes of characters from the movie. Oh yeah, they're similar to the ones in the movie. Okay. So it's like there's certain kind of archetypes that the movie imagines, and then that mm-hmm. season one of the show, season two and three of the show reimagine. And it's it is a wonderful show. Can't recommend it enough. Really, you know, you'll recognize like the face of almost every single actor. It's on in the Hulu, show. right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Excellent, excellent show. So that's my quick couple recommendations. Right? Well, I have to. Lost her marble, so if we could maybe edit some of her screaming out. Yeah, but you talking about it's going to call attention to the fact that I did edit it out, you fool! Oh, okay. I'm just joking. No, yeah, it's fine. Anyway. It'll, it'll pop up either way. We'll hear it to some extent. But pull out as But we like our listeners. Uh, we just thank you for listening, even when you have a little kid in the background. Because, mm. you know, we don't have enough money to uh, 
always get babysitters. So yeah. anyway, um, it's endearing how raw and real we are. Yeah, it's in, thank you. It's endearing. Um, two recommendations that I have um, are two shows. You know that I love. I love my shows, whether um, on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. The two that I want to recommend, one, um, the season's not over yet, um, and it's on Hulu. It's called Castle Rock. Oh! And they're kind of what Caleb was saying about Fargo, how they kind of reimagine it. What Castle Rock is, it takes Stephen King's um, characters or books or themes and makes it into like a TV show. And so season one was really, really good. That was on about, I think, a year, year and a half ago. And now season two is out. And Castle Rock, actually, the name of the show, but in in his one of his books, he has a like, like, um, couple short stories in Castle Rock, actually a town in one of these books. But this season um, deals with an actress um, who plays Annie Wilkes. And Annie Wilkes, if you're familiar with Stephen King, is actually the main character in the book Misery, that movie that came out in the 90s. So this kind of is going back in a modern telling of it, um, of telling how this woman whose character is in Misery is kind of telling a more updated version of it. It's really, really good. Really graphic, so um, don't watch it with the little kids. Um, So there's that. And... The other recommendation, um, it's kind of bittersweet because it's one of my favorite shows of all time, but tomorrow, I'm not going to say what day it comes out because this isn't going to come out for a couple weeks, but tomorrow, my favorite show, um, is coming out for the fourth and final season, Man in the High Castle. Oh! On Amazon Prime. And uh, Man in the High Castle was actually a book written, I think, in the 60s. By the sci-fi novelist Philip K. Dick, and he's a lot of his shows and movies have been turned into, or shows and movies. His books have been turned into shows and movies. Cool. And Man in the High Castle is a more fictitious version of if America lost World War II, and that um, America is uh, split down between the Nazis and Japan. Um, because that's actually what they wanted to do. They they had the plans that Japan would take the West Coast and pretty much Nazi Germany would take over the rest of America. And so this is season four's ending, the kind of the, the climax of the show. So I'm super excited to start binging that. Um, it's just a fan. If you love history, if you love sci-fi, you love any of that stuff, I really uh, can't recommend A Man in the High Castle enough. Yeah, I don't, I you know. Every time I have a recommendation, it's the same thing. So, I don't... Anything? You could watch holiday movies. Mm, I, I don't know. That's, that's nice. just... Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Watch those old claymation oh my holiday gosh. movies. Oh my gosh, the claymation one from, from like, the, the Christmas from, like, 1987. My favorite. Which one? The, the Rudolph? The, the, no, the claymation Christmas with, like, the all of the songs and stuff in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it called? The one... Oh, I don't... It, it is called a Claymation Christmas. That's what it's called. And mm. it's like... The one that scares the hell out of me. 
I you did scare. I I made you watch it, and you, it scared you, didn't it? No, the the claymation one that with the had, dinosaurs. No, they had the heat miser and the cold miser. Oh, no, 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 no. That's that Rudolph. That's, right? that's that that's different. No, no. That one. The Santa Claus is coming to town. This is the one that has like, like, her, what is it? Herb and Rex, and and like they go. They go wassling and it's. I'm honestly not totally sure what you're talking. about. It's from like 30 years ago. It's. It's. I saw all those claymation. Okay, we can go to bed. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired too. But no, that sounds no, great. No, no, but I, I, the reason why I I re- I recorded it and then you you know back in the day when you record stuff and then you would watch it over and over again. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah, I it was it all the time. same thing with like Garfield Christmas. Oh my gosh, that was like my favorite. Oh, that's a good one. So, so that's eight, and or holiday 80s, movies. Holiday movies or 80s Christmas music. Or 80s uh, Christmas mo- Christmas commercials. Oh, yeah. Fun. Can you look them up on YouTube? It's really sad that I know that. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking now before I embarrass myself. <laughs> oh, and I'm All right. really tired. Bye. All right. Till next time. <laughs> till next time. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. Hi. I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also like our brand new show, Loosen the Bible Belt. Here's a quick clip of co-hosts, our own Jay Baker and comic Kristen Becker, interviewing Derek Webb of renowned Christian music fame. Check it out. Can I get an amen? Amen! Every random person who believes anything, if the art they make is good, is amplified. And I actually don't have a a specific problem with that anywhere else, because any other genre of music isn't the soundtrack for a specific worldview, the way Christianity is. Well, that's the thing, for sure, that where you guys... That's what bothers me. Yeah, where you guys were suddenly like spokesperson for a movement that went way deeper than, you know, than just being musical artists. And that some of us had only started to really seriously study 18 months before. Right. Which means we were really not qualified to have that position or had that voice. God, a medical monopoly over all patients in pilots' That was a post-Christian podcast.